Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with life of Jesus meets yours. In this episode, we have our sermon from the fifth Sunday in Easter from May 2nd, 2021, looking at John chapter 15. And when you finish, be sure to check out the show notes for our sermon discussion guide. Here goes. Dear fellow redeemed, one of the topics that comes up and has come up in conversation a number of different times is this idea of free will. And it's come up enough that I figured we would take just a minute or two to talk about it at the beginning of the sermon today because it's important. And if we have, if we have a natural human American understanding of free will, then we'll have all sorts of problems within Christ church. All sorts of problems that don't belong. And I've heard it enough that I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the, ch- the history of our churches here in Toledo that, that some pastor had made a statement that just stuck with everybody, and even if it was remembered correctly or not, it comes out. Well, that's where free will comes in. What is free will? You have the freedom to wake up this morning and think to yourself, do I want to style my hair to the left or to the right? Do I want to wear a white shirt or a green shirt? And what color tie do I want? You had the free will to choose the car that you ended up driving here in and arriving here after whatever breakfast you had and whatever coffee you happened to make. Those were free choices. You even had the choice to turn around and go home or to walk through the doors. Those are all elements of free will as it exists for you and me. But free will with anything of substantial value, anything of spiritual value, doesn't exist. It's as much non-existent as unicorns and Bigfoot, right? Free will doesn't exist. And that idea is utterly offensive. The fact that anything of spiritual value in you, any, any spiritual result in your life, doesn't exist of your own choice. The fact that even though you chose to wake up this morning and to come to a particular church and to hear the word of God at that particular church, any growth in faith is not your own work, well, that's offensive to our natural mind. This idea of free will does not exist in spiritual matters. It exists, sure enough, in external affairs, such as how do you like your coffee and what's your favorite donut, but when it comes to anything of spiritual value, it does not exist. Now, of course, you know it wasn't always that way for everyone. There are three people for whom it did exist. We've got Adam and Eve and Jesus that Adam and Eve were created with a free will, where their will was in line with what God wanted. And they could choose to do a godly action of their own accord. Because at that moment in time, at the beginning of, at the beginning of time, they were still righteous. They were still holy in God's sight. But when, the, when they chose to sin against God, they lost any element of free will. And the only other person for whom free will has ever existed in spiritual matters is Jesus Christ, where he who is holy and sinless 
he who is eternally God, and yet at the same time the incarnate Son of God and Son of Mary, he had the opportunity and the ability to freely choose of his own accord what he would do and what he would not do. But as for you and me, as for you and me, from the moment our life began, well, free will is a myth. And why does that matter? Because the way that you think you came into Christ's church will affect both how you think you remain in Christ's church as well as the discussions and even divisions that arise within the church. That if you think that you arrived here as a member of the body of Christ, as somebody who stands here and sits here in full faith and saying, yes, Lord, it is good to be with your people. It is good to hear your word. It is good to be connected to the vine. If you think that that is your choice and that was your free choice, then you will think, yes, if I want to remain a Christian, all I have to do is keep making that choice. As long as I make the right choices, then I will remain. And as long as I make the right choices, and I obviously made the right choice in being here today, and it has a spiritual benefit that I'm glad to be here, that if we think that we're here because of our choice, then it doesn't so much become about Jesus as about our personal preferences and wants. And the moment our focus gets taken off the vine, the devil gets in at the sides. And you can see it. I've seen it at, uh, at more than one church. I mean, I grew up in one church, and I think this is the third or fourth that I've served at. And the moment that people forget how they were brought into God's church, then all sorts of questions of, of personal preference start to rise, start to arise and, uh, and divide people. Well, I like this, and the other says, I like that. The one says, well, if we only did this, then, then we would be successful. And if everybody else did that, well, that's not such a good idea. There's all sorts of opportunity for division when we forget how we were brought into the church of God. And you could just go on down the list and fill in the blanks with whatever other modern circumstances that might come to mind. I mean, music was the, the discussion of choice 30 years ago. And I think overall we've kind of found a style of music that communicates with the vast majority of our members. But there are all sorts of other opportunities for the devil to start getting and start drawing lines where they don't belong. Start drawing lines among God's people, lines on where do you stand on this particular topic, whether it's a hot-button political topic or it's, a, it's some other concern. And instead of Christians getting together and discussing these things in good faith with love and deference toward one another, Christians who forget how they were brought into the church of God start to say, well, this is what I want. And that must mean that your choice is wrong. 
It comes back around to that idea of free will. And the primary thing that we have to remember is that you and I have no free will in spiritual matters. That you had the will to and the ability to walk in here today just as you have the ability, yes, the only choice we can make is to shut our ears and to walk away. But as far as anything of growth, anything of value, is God's work. You realize how incredibly freeing that is. That's exactly what Jesus says. I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him is the one who bears much fruit. Because without me, you can do nothing. Jesus says that he is the one who has chosen you. He is the one who has brought you here. He is the one who has grafted you into himself. And that means that your primary identity is that of Christian. Christ first, and then I after. That your primary identity is that of Christian, one who has been grafted into the vine, and that really opens the door for all sorts of unity, because this is the only place, the only place in the entire world where unity can actually be found. Sure, yeah, the politicians talk about it, and society clamors for it. The Christian church has it. As we gather here together, and we humbly admit, Lord, <laughs> I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Or as the third article says, I confess or I believe that I cannot, by my own thinking or choosing, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. How incredibly comforting it is that even yesterday afternoon, I had the opportunity to, to baptize a pair of twin girls that we'll include in our prayers today. To baptize these girls and, and the comfort for the parents that... Yes, this is entirely God's work. As Jesus grafts another branch into the vine, and as he feeds them with his sacraments, the sacrament of holy baptism as he washes away sin and gives them life and salvation. Awesome. Because if we have that incorrect, and if we have that confused, how you think you came into God's church determines how you think you will remain in God's church. As a believer in the biblical Jesus, we know the truth, that you've been brought into God's church and made a member of his invisible body, the church, capital C. And that means that through him, through him, you have a personal connection to every other person here. That our own personal preferences and opinions take second seat to the fellowship that we share around this table, to the fellowship that we share in the songs that we sing. Awesome. And because of how you were brought into the church of God will influence our attitudes toward one another. That this this day and this year and this decade and I'm sure for the years to come, there will be ever more and ever increasing opportunities for the devil to try to wedge among God's people and get them to start drawing lines to say that, well, this is what I think and this is what you have chosen and this is what I want and this is what we should do because the other choice is wrong. 
And we can't let that happen. Because Jesus has made you his own. He's bought you and brought you. Grafted you into himself. And he says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. That when the devil starts drawing lines, he wants to, he wants to reduce the ability of that branch to be connected to Jesus. To provide an excuse for that person to walk away even to use their own emotion or fallen human reason against them. But to that, Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. That he is the one who has chosen you and made you clean. He is the one who has connected you to himself, and the way that he brought you into this faith is the way that he keeps you in this faith, through his chosen tools where heaven and earth meet there at the font and at the altar, where you taste and see your forgiveness again, where words that strike your ear sink down into the heart as the Holy Spirit creates and strengthens faith, and we raise our eyes to see one another and say, yes, this is the place. This is the place where we can have unity, where Jesus wants to build his church because the glory belongs to the vine not to the branches. You could think of it this way. I don't really have a green thumb. Well, I, I suppose if you broaden that a little bit more, I have a green thumb for things like, like dandelions and crabgrass. I can make that grow almost anywhere. But back in Minnesota, I tried to grow a bunch of, um, a bunch of raspberry plants. And we got some raspberries and planted them back in the corner of the garden. And, uh, and I even looked up, you know, how are you supposed to prune these things over the years? And uh, what are you supposed to cut? And when are you supposed to cut? And no matter what I did, no matter what I did, I couldn't get those things to really produce any raspberries. I don't know if I was just, well, I must have been doing something wrong. But those raspberries kept growing because they were connected by this root that ran underneath the ground that despite my best efforts to produce fruit, I couldn't make it happen. But then sure enough, we move here, and the new pastor moves in there, and he says, oh, look at this incredible raspberry patch. There's, there's raspberries all over it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't explain that. I'm sure somebody, someone among us could. But the point is this that I, with my external vision, was saying, well, here's what I need to do to make this produce fruit. And those raspberries, they just needed their connection to the root, and they needed some time, and they would produce fruit on their own. Perhaps it's a little similar for the Christian, that you've been connected to the vine maybe for a long time, that you can look at your own life, as, as John talks about in his first letter, you can look at your own life and say, you know what, I, I see the fruit that my Lord has produced in me. And all that leads me to do is say, all glory to his name. That you can look at the fellowship and the unity that we share here. And even as the, we have more and more decisions coming up in the next months and years between coming out of a pandemic and working together with Zion in Toledo, who are also 
members together with us, grafted into this vine, that the devil could use that as an opportunity to get in at the sides, start drawing lines, and start cutting away at the branches so that they would become disconnected from the vine. But the truth is that Jesus is the one who has brought us here together, that Jesus is the one who has knit us to himself, that Jesus is the one who feeds our faith, that Jesus is the one who must keep us united, that Jesus is the one who receives the glory, that Jesus is the one who works through you and through his word, and he works within you to produce fruit. And what does that look like? Acts of love toward one another. Patience with each other. Maybe it's um, as simple as you know, when more members from Zion start coming here to check out our services here and get acquainted a little bit, maybe it's as simple as just reaching out and saying hello. And when somebody says, well, we used to do this, that we listen with a compassionate ear. And we say, well, I'm sure we could figure that out and include that in our work here. Because Jesus is bringing more branches together into this place. And he wants them to be united. Despite all of, the, all of the attacks and divisions that would be possible from the outside, despite all the attitudes that would create division from the inside, the truth is that you and I aren't here of our own free choice. That we aren't consumers on the religious market simply looking for the church that best, that best suits our, our needs that you are here because Jesus called you and brought you here, that you are here because Jesus grafted you into himself, that you are here because here at this place, he has given you a family of believers that extends beyond, yes, even time and space, that here at this place, he continues to feed you as a branch and a vine, that here at this place, he continues to give you hope and a future, that here at this place, even in the everyday details of how we spend our time together, of how we encourage one another and how we take a step back so that the devil doesn't get in with lines of division and that Jesus wants to extend his church, to keep it united in himself and to bear fruit in your life. Why? Because even that good fruit is the work of Jesus through you. And even that good fruit keeps the focus where it belongs, on the vine, not the branches. That even that good fruit is the result of this risen and resurrected Lord Jesus, the confidence that you can say that, yes, my Lord has risen from the dead, that, yes, the vine is mine, and that, yes, he continues to feed me, and he has brought me into this fellowship of believers together. And the only freedom that I have, spiritually speaking, is to walk away. But that would be death. And so I guess that's the, that's the only choice that remains. That we don't have a free will in spiritual matters, that we can't make progress in spiritual matters, that we don't grow in spiritual matters of our own free will, because free will doesn't exist in spiritual matters but our sinful flesh can pull us away, that Satan can get in there in between. 
So how shall we live? <laughs> and why does this matter? Because Jesus has bought you, brought you, and made you his own, grafted us together, so we can look at one another and say, you know what? You know what? We are all members of the same vine, and thanks be to God. And how can I bear fruit that builds you up and encourages you? How can I bear fruit that gives glory to our Lord? How can we work together to bear fruit so that the word of God bears fruit in this place? Yes, for the generations to come. Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.